I got to go anyway, so. This is Good, Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Oh, the most hated. The most Forgot hated? my nickname. And you know what happened this time is we, you literally went to fake me out on the intro, mm. and I faked harder. You faked harder than I did. But then I went for it. You did. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you. Well, this, by the way, is Good Morning Liberty. If it's your first time listening, make sure you smash that follow button. We surely do appreciate it. Go follow us on the YouTubes. And I finally got our rumble working today. Mm. I put a couple videos up on there. So if... Are you ready? If you're ready to rumble, then go over to <laughs> rumble.com and find our page. Good AM Liberty is what the username ended up having to be. So Good AM Liberty, you can go find that. I saw they went public today, by the way, via SPAC merger. Rumble did? Rumble did. That's why. Didn't they buy, they bought locals, mm-hmm. right? I bet you Ruben got some stocks in there. My tab. Uh-huh. I bet you that's why he went. That's just speculation, by the way. Dave, I know you're listening. We don't know what any of your personal financial decisions have been, but I'm betting this going public thing had to do with it. it and we just say that. Let's uh, say that it could make sense. It's it's possible that it had something to do with it. Okay. Can you do your best, uh, Bruce? Is it Bruce Buffer? What's his name? Bruce. Uh, uh, who's the announcer? Is. The famous announcer does from what? Ready to rumble. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'll, we'll peak on the levels. <laughs> okay. Can't do that. Okay. Let's talk about, did you think I was going to do it right then? Yeah. Okay. A little bit of housekeeping here <laughs> on, some, on some old stories. You guys remember that whole thing where MSNBC was falling around the jury bus, jury bus during the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And what I saw online was that this was just a big old right wing conspiracy trying to take down MSNBC because they weren't going to try to do anything and that the police were making it up. I saw people talking about how the police were making it up, all that stuff. Well, the police have released the body cam footage from when they pulled this guy over and he called the MSNBC producer while the body cam was rolling. Mm. So I, I just thought it would be fun to listen to this MSNBC producer try to come up with a reason for why they were respectfully following the jury bus. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny, so I'm going to play that for you all real quick. Uh, law enforcement wants to talk to you. Hi, this is Officer Jones, Kenosha Police. We're trying to figure out what's going on here, why you have a reporter or a producer following vehicles out here. It's, hold on, I'm, I'm going to put you on speakerphone because you're connected to this, this car. Now, can you go again? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Hi, officer. My name is Irene. I'm a booking producer with NBC News. Uh-huh. Um, we... We, we were just trying to respectfully, um, just trying to see if it's, um, if it's possible to, um, to find any leads about, um, about the, the case. And so we were, we, uh, we were just keeping our distance, um, just to see like where, um, people involved in, in the, in the trial, um, are positioned. They're, by no means were we trying to get where in they're positioned with any of any of the jury members or whoever's in the car. We just were um, trying to 
like where um, mm-hmm. where key players in the trial may be at. So, I, if you want, I can just offer this up. Once the verdict. Comes- okay, so. <laughs> We, um, you could tell um, she was like, Oh my god, (laughs) we were, um, just breaking, um, the law, um, (laughs) respectfully, (laughs) respectfully. We were trying to see where different, mostly peaceful following this jury. We were trying to see where different people were positioned, yeah, when they went home. (laughs) We wanted to see what their positions were. Oh man, if they were going to the hotel or what was going on. Okay, so listen, that's not, you know. It's it's not like a real big philosophical important story or anything like that, but it is important to know what the media does and that they then said that they weren't doing it or that that they that they were and, and now I guess they didn't count on that whole body cam thing catching what the producer said over the phone. I don't know. I'm not sure. They sure as heck didn't. All right, so there's your first story right there, Charlie. Do you want to? That was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, it's fun just to just to point that out. All right, it was not mm-hmm. some kind of crazy conspiracy theory. They were actually following the bus, and that way we all know it, and we'll we'll move on after that. Do you want to go into the whole into the whole abortion thing right now, Let's just to talk it. into that? Why not? So a couple articles down, you'll find one uh, the, talking about John Roberts' plan, which this is something that I alluded to yesterday. Uh, when I talked about it for a few minutes was that I think they're going to end up with a compromise on this whole thing. I think all we're going to get out of this is they're going to basically lower the point of viability is what this is going to equal. I think so too. And don't worry for you, for all of you. I listened to the three hours of oral arguments uh, last night for everyone so that I could be well prepared. Now I, I want to go out, I want to go ahead and say that um, um, I identify as a male So I'm not going to try to mansplain anything. I'm going to give you my opinion. And uh, if you don't want to listen to it, then shut off the podcast. You know, there are, in fact, a lot of females that are against abortion as well. So that's what I was going to do. If I remove myself from the debate, then and you let the women debate, it's basically Mm 50-50 as well. So among those that identify as female, um, both biologically and whatever the case may be, uh, it's would basically a 50 Would you be split. a female ally in this argument right now? Because you, you know, you're not a female, but you're going to argue on part of some of the females. So you're just going to identify yourself as an ally of the cause, yeah. of a certain part of the cause, I guess. You could call me a turf if you want to. That's, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's fine. Good, good, good. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, me and Dave Chappelle, we go, we go way back. Mm-hmm. We're buddies, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, um, I'll read a little bit of this article. We'll get into to what's going on and um, uh, the case. So this is from CNN. John Roberts had a, has a plan that would gut, yet save, Roe versus Wade. Can it work? So Chief, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, and I'll get into how he can actually do this, by the way. So Chief uh, Justice John Roberts came to Wednesday's, Wednesday's abortion arguments with an idea, an idea that no other Supreme Court justice would likely want, but one that a slim majority might eventually accept. Roberts suggested the high court reverse a significant part of Roe v. Wade, uh, but preserve some constitutional right to abortion. Roberts would end the existing protection for a women's abortion decision before viability at about 23 weeks, which is not true. By the way, Roe specifically states 26 weeks. The Casey decision in 1992 
uh, mentions viability like 19 times, and it regards viability at 24 weeks. Mm-hmm. We now know scientifically that we've had uh, fetuses that are born be- uh, between 19 and 20 weeks survive mm-hmm. outside of the womb. So the point of viability keeps changing. That is a that's a big problem with yes. the viability argument is that as our technology it's, advances, viability is about can can you save the baby or not? That's right. And as as we advance in healthcare technology, that number is going to change. It's different from what it was in 1973 or what it was in 1992. And this is how the court has be has become pure political in the last let's say 100 years. I mean, you have to go back and think about some of the cases that they've that they have that they have ruled on has been purely politically motivated, Mm -hmm. which is not supposed to be the case. So uh, he suggested he would let states ban abortion at 15 weeks of pregnancy, as Mississippi has done in the case before the justices, but that he would not go further to completely ban abortion. Despite his history of fighting abortion rights, the institutionally minded Roberts showed little interest Wednesday in going further than the uh, precise question that the justices had agreed to take up. May states ban abortions before fetal viability without infringing the Constitution. So the Roe, the Roe case and the Casey case in 1973 and 1992, uh, they both used a viability as a cutoff point for when a state's interest in protecting the life of a fetus could overtake the women's ability to end a pregnancy. Roberts repeatedly suggested the viability line was arbitrary and irrelevant to the fundamental holdings of Roe and Casey, a point contradicted by lawyers challenging the Mississippi law. At the same time, Roberts revealed an openness to retaining some right for women to terminate a pregnancy at an early stage. When the court first established a right to abortion in 73, it rooted it in the 14th Amendment's due process clause, which protects a right to privacy. Amazing how they just skipped over the 10th Amendment. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and Mississippi's argument is that and this is what Brett Kavanaugh alluded to, um, which he was basically taking the playbook out of Scalia's um, uh, uh, the late Justice Scalia's playbook, which is that the Constitution is neither pro-life nor pro-choice. And so he was talking about remaining scrupulous, scrupulous, scrupulously uh, neutral. Scrupulous. 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 <laughs> Nailed it. Scrup- scrupulous. Yeah. Uh, basically neutral. And uh, did we lose internet, by the way? <coughs> no. It just, it's just me, huh? Yeah. Um, and so he, he was making that argument that, that basically the, the, the founders, the Constitution doesn't give the federal government any purview over medical or abortion or anything like that. And so, therefore, the Tenth Amendment should reign supreme and the debate should go back to the people and to the states, mm-hmm. meaning that states should have some purview. People should be allowed to vote with their with their, le- their local legislatures on the abortion issue. It's, it's, it's so controversial. So the justices in Roe acknowledged that the Constitution contains no explicit reference to a right of privacy, but said that in a line of decisions dating to the late 1800s, the court has recognized that a right of personal privacy or a guarantee of certain areas or zones of privacy does exist under the Constitution. The Roe Court said the right extends to activities related to marriage, contraception, and child-rearing, and is broad enough to encompass a woman's decision whether or not to terminate her pregnancy. If you think that issue is one of choice, that women should have 
should have a choice to terminate their pregnancy that supposes that there is a point at which they had the fair choice. And why would 15 weeks be an appropriate line? The chief justice asked. Now, this could go one of two ways, basically, and we won't probably know anything until the summer of 2022. Just before the election. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, so we're, we're probably not going to know much um, as, they deliber- as they deliberate amongst yeah. themselves and talk this out. But what looks, if I could speculate, uh, based on what I heard yesterday and, and obviously this article and what some of the justices have said, it looks like the three appointees that Trump made uh, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and um, Amy, Amy, ACB, AC, Amy, yeah, Amy notorious. Uh, it looks like those three are, are have been pro life pretty much their whole lives. Now, ACB did say that the law doesn't um, commingle with her personal beliefs, but based on the way they were talking yesterday, it seems like you have at least three votes uh, that are going to uh, disagree. Yeah, or, or, I'm sorry, that are going to want to overturn Roe versus Wade. Um, and then you have um, Thomas, which has always been against it as well. And then, so there's four. And then the fit, there's a fifth one that's probably against it as well. And what's going to be interesting is to see where which way Robert goes. Mm-hmm. So if Roberts decides to dissent, and and if it if it ends up being overturned, if that's the majority opinion, if he decides to dissent in this case and join. Um, the dissenters, then he does not get to pick who writes the opinion of the court. However, if he joins the majority opinion, he can appoint himself to write the opinion of the court, which could be that they strike down just the viability clause of Roe and Casey, not overturn the whole thing, but strike down that particular cause and set a new precedent of 15 weeks. So it's basically – see, this is why it's political. See, I think he's uh, – with that being known, I think he'll end up joining the other conservative, quote, justices so he can write that opinion and, and carve that out the way that he, the way that he wants it. That, that would be my guess. I think that this is yes. – I think they will end up upholding the Mississippi law is what I think is going to come out and keeping your – you know, I don't know how they'll do it. Is that just going to determine viability at – 15 weeks now 16 weeks what is that what it's going to change the number to that's not actual i don't think that's scientific viability that might have happened before so i guess it could be i don't know but i think he's right about the fact that this is very arbitrary and to me it's irrelevant to the whole philosophical question of the the whole abortion debate that's why i don't like the viability thing i don't like the 14th amendment part of it i don't you know i don't like this right to privacy being used for roe versus wade and if they wanted to actually do this then congress should do something making a law it should have been made an actual amendment something like that where they are saying they're going to protect your right to have an abortion other than that it's just going to end up getting left to the states is is what i can kind of see happening or at least up to this 15 week mark now the texas thing is interesting because they've gone through an entirely different way of enforcement here and we talked about it before i don't like the way that texas has laid out their enforcement because i see it being a very slippery slope for a lot of things that we definitely would not agree with you being sued for doing things that you should have the right to do that other people think that you don't have the right to do and so i i think that there's a really big slippery slope there they the question what they have to decide on if they were ever going to actually decide on this is is 
this a baby? Is it a fetus? Is this a life that needs protection just like any other life that we protect? Or is this not? Is this just a scientific process where there's not actually a life yet that's happened? And until they answer this question, this will never be done. And in fact, even after they answer that, it won't be done. They're still going to be debating over it for a long time. And that's just the question that we're not getting to here. And that's why I don't like the viability argument. Either it's a life that needs to be protected by the government or or they're not. What's interesting is they mostly talked about in oral, in oral arguments uh, yes, yesterday morning about starry decisis. Okay, it's the principle decisis of... Decisis is what, uh, what Tom said, but starry, I had no idea. Starry decisis, that is right, starry decisis. And it's the principle of precedent, um, basically, that it and does the court hold any weight if it loses its public perception as an American institution that is... Uh, responsible for discerning and upholding the Constitution by overturning its previous cases? And do they look like an institution that knows what they're doing when they do this type of thing? And so what was interesting to me is that came up way more yesterday than anything that has to do with whether or not it's an actual life or or anything like that. Um, and so a lot of the, uh, what I would consider uh, justices that lean more liberal, um, a lot of the arguments they brought up or a lot of the questions they had was regarding uh, that pr the legal precedent and what it would look like if the court overturned uh, Roe Ro and Casey. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what they were mainly arguing. But I thought that Kavanaugh and some others had some interesting uh, questions that led to some thoughts of my own, which was... Uh, Kavanaugh, or, or no, I'm sorry, Gorsuch kept asking the question, what is the actual, uh, what is the actual protection of the Constitution? Is it liberty? Is it privacy? Is it undue burden? Because Roe established an undue burden clause and things like that. So what actually um, is it for the woman that is, that they're trying to argue for? Um, and so they went through all of them. So then he asked a really important question, which is, does that woman still have those same undue burdens and everything regarding her privacy and liberty and everything after the point of viability? And the answer was danced around for a little bit, but eventually he said, can I get a yes or no? And it was a yes, meaning that this, that, that the, the responsibility and the, the inhibitions to your liberty, your personal freedom, your burden, your undue burden, everything extends well beyond the point of viability. So if you have, which begs the question, what I want people to do is abstract this idea all the way out. Okay. If you have the right to terminate a pregnancy because it is inhibiting your liberty or your, um, you're, it's causing unnecessary or undue burden on your life, um, then wouldn't that also, if you play that all the way out, give you the same right to terminate a childhood? I mean, extract it all the way out. The second thing that I wanted that I that I drew from this as a man <laughs> who is currently in the system uh, with a, a child that I love dearly, and I'm, I'm glad he wasn't aborted. Um, I, I am personally pro-life. And um, 
but one thing that struck me as odd is if it is the the woman's freedom and liberty to terminate a pregnancy and we live in a tyrannical patriarchy how is it and the system is designed for men right the whole system how is it that a man that is party to that pregnancy or child cannot absolve his responsibility financial or otherwise up until the point of viability as well. Dave Chappelle made that argument. Can in he one not of his, also in one of his absolve himself of not wanting? Yeah. Why is it solely up to and it? And if we live in this tyrannical patriarchy, how is that even the case? How did men do that to themselves? He said something like, if you can kill the thing, then I can abandon him. <laughs> I mean, so, I botched that, but that's essentially the point he was making. It's um uh, the, and now we're still getting to the arbitrary part of the viability argument right there. Because what's also interesting is if you're saying that, well, after that point of viability, then the woman can be forced to carry the pregnancy mm-hmm. to term after that. And so, what is it now? When making the argument that you could just kill a kid, and that's the same thing because they're taking away your liberty. Obviously, everyone knows that. That's true. But um, the 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 difference here with the viability thing is that it is when can someone else take care of the baby? When could the baby be saved, or when could someone else take care of the child? And I think before the point of viability, the baby is completely dependent on the mother still. So you say that that decision still in her hands at that point. And then afterwards, when the baby could be saved, which is the argument I've made before is that whatever, when you, when you have the, just call it an abortion or call it a for, forced birth, if you wanted to call it that, try to save the baby. If the baby can't be saved, then the baby dies, but not forcing the woman to continue carrying the baby. That's the eviction theory basically can the baby be saved after that and i think that that's something that should be considered now i don't like any kind of laws on the medical professionals but i feel like you could use something like mtala something like that to say that if someone is in need of medical attention and they can be saved or you should do anything that you can to stabilize them to save their life right then and i think that that would also apply to the baby when you have this forced birth at whatever the week is and if they can be saved then they should be saved instead of not be saved under those under that same structure of laws i guess and that's actually exactly where i fall when it comes to the matter now i am personally pro-life but i also have to look at this from a logical consistent principle um which is the, th- the three fundamental uh, principles of liberty are life, liberty, and property. Okay, so uh, in regards to that, what, what we believe in is that we own ourselves. Okay, women own themselves. They own their body. They should be allowed to decide what goes in or comes out of their body at any point at any time. In fact, they could even, I believe they could even make a decision to try and become pregnant, and then at any point decide that they no longer want that pregnancy. However, just because uh, you decide that you no longer want to participate in something, even if you made that decision to participate in it in the first place, doesn't mean that you get to kill a life on the on your way out of that situation. Yeah. And now, is is before twenty weeks? Uh, actually, before really 24, 26 weeks is in most cases, is that baby going to uh, survive? Probably not. 
um, because the technology just isn't there yet. However, the way they currently perform abortions is they basically induce a, a miscarriage or they have to actually extract uh, the baby out uh, of the mother's body and completely um, definitely kill. Yeah, there's an the act fetus. to kill the baby first. Exactly. And that's where I that's the part that I don't agree with. I think that in my opinion abortion would be a, a forced an induced labor, a forced birth. And if you can save the baby, that's good. If you can't then then you can't. I can't I feel like I can't force the woman to to carry all the way to term. I I don't I, I just don't see myself having the ability to do that and i think this is an entirely you know it's hard to come up with analogies for this because this is a completely unique scenario there's not a lot of things that match up with this okay now on an analogy basis yes and that's why i actually like mississippi's argument and it's why i like scalia's dissent in casey and it's why i i like ron paul's stance on this which is this is such a controversial issue that the public is split on and so, and, the, and there's no power within the federal government whatsoever to have any purview on this situation at all. In fact, life and crimes and everything is left to the states. And so Mississippi's argument um, is that they should overturn Roe and they should overturn Casey because this debate should go back to the states and to the people. That was Ron Paul's point, is that this should not be a federal issue whatsoever now. Kavanaugh, being the federalist that he is, also throws in that Congress can democratically create a law about this, um, even though I don't even believe they can do that. And I think what he's trying to do right there is take some of the responsibility off of the court. Like if they want to do this, then Congress needs to write a law doing this. We don't need to be but making the But still, the, the federal laws. government doesn't have any purview over yeah, that, so yeah, Congress shouldn't that. be allowed to do that. I think he's just saying that they shouldn't be determining laws by their rulings exactly. when, when there hasn't been a law federally made about it, that they need to do it. And then they'll they'll answer that question afterwards if they have to. But that uh, that basically Congress is giving away its responsibilities to the Supreme Court right now and allowing them to make a law when they know that something would be super controversial or, you know, that, that maybe they wouldn't get reelected. Yeah. Essentially. A lot of stuff. And comes the other down thing I that. don't like when it comes to um, maybe OSHA can mandate some kind of abortion thing. I don't know. Who knows? The other thing I don't like when it comes down to starry decisis is um, or decisis 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 decide decide. Yeah. The other thing I don't like about that is is that it takes away or it, it or it it inhibits strong it strongly inhibits the the honesty of people in a powerful position to admit when they're wrong mm -hmm. and so it puts this unnecessary undue burden i would say on a court to be looked at as someone who got it wrong. Imagine if the court, because of stare decisis, decided to uphold Brown versus education. Yeah. And we still had segregation today. The separate but equal um, thing that came out of that. Imagine if we still had all of these things that the court got wrong. Yeah, I've said several times I don't, I don't like precedent. I, I don't, I understand it. And I think if it's easy enough, if the case aligns well enough, uh, that I understand that you can base a ruling off of the precedent, but I, the precedent becomes law is the problem that I have. And it, it becomes this thing, you can't let it become this thing that you can't change. 
And uh, and so I, I don't like the idea that, well, since we have precedent on this, we can't change it. I think the Brown versus Board of Education thing's a, a decent argument when it comes to that. I, I will still hold to my position here. Uh, personally, I am uh, personally I'm pro-life. I don't know that the government's ever going to be able to do anything about it. I think this is something that we'll still continue fighting about for the rest of our lives. I think this is something that won't be decided. I think it will never be decided. It doesn't matter what they decide over the summer with this case. There will be new cases. Uh, they will continue to push this and rule back and forth for the rest of our lives. So I think everyone now, just needs to get used to that part and start attacking the actual root cause of the problem, which is why do people get into a situation where they end up needing to have an abortion? What can we do in our society to end up fixing that situation right there? That is the actual only solution to the problem. The other thing that I want to mention with this is that a lot of folks on the left will, or, or a lot of folks in the pro-choice um, side of the argument will argue that this will set women back 50 years and that the data suggests that since Roe in 1973 that it's proven that women are more equal in society to pursue careers or anything else because they have full control of their reproductive rights. What those studies fail to mention is that what really happened Back then, I mean, yeah, Roe versus Wade was was decided. Um, but what really happened was the birth control pill was invented in the 50s and became widely accepted and used in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And so now women do have control over their reproductive systems, which does provide more equality, let's say, to men uh, and when pursuing careers or anything like that, because they if they decide to participate in a sexual act. Um, then they can freely do so with the uh, with a highly likelihood of not having to endure the uh, the things that are associated with female reproductive. Um, well, I mean, when you responsibility, you, you look at uh, people's just say the pay rate between men and women. And what's always something that has to be considered in there was did a woman take a break to raise a child for a couple of years? And the women who took a break from the workforce to raise a child, they end up, they're obviously a little bit behind on everyone who continued working consistently throughout that time. So whether it was abortion or it was the pill, I think more than likely it's the pill and not the, not the abortion aspect of it. Uh, I think that there's a good argument there for saying that that helps the two sexes, two of the thousand become more equal. But I, um, I think what's actually going to happen here is they'll rule. I think they'll, I think basically viability will be changed to that 15 weeks. Essentially, they're going to allow that up to the 15 weeks. <coughs> People are saying that this uh, overturns, this takes away the right to an abortion. This overturns Roe versus Wade. Um, it's essentially going to change the point of viability. It's going to say that states can change that. Now, are more states going to come in and go lower than 15 weeks? Are they officially going to set it at 15 or 16 weeks or whatever it is? And then other states that try to come in at 10 and they're going to be against the current precedent? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do on that, but I, I do know one thing that's going to happen. This is going to change. And then the Democrats are going to be pushing for a really big law or even a constitutional amendment, something like that, to protect your right to an abortion. And it's going to be a major election piece. And that's one thing that's actually going to happen because they need things to get people excited for the elections next year. And I think this will end up being a major key player in that. I think for sure a law that protects is going to end up uh, passed by the House. They've already passed one before. 
And they're going to be arguing that if they can just win the Senate, they're going to be able to pass this and protect everyone's right to an abortion. So it's a, and, and then the whole talking point that this is taking away your right to an abortion, it's 15 weeks, you know, and even Robert said, why is that enough time? Why is that not enough time? Sorry. Why is that? Why is 15 weeks not enough time? And we can have conversations about uh, affecting the health of the mother and things like that. That's obviously going to happen after 15 weeks. We know that. But 15 weeks, I think, is a compromise. A lot of the pro-life people, the very anti-abortion people, would like it to be none. And I think it's a little bit of a compromise here. And it's not the, not the end of the world if they, if they do go through with this. There are still 15 weeks to, to make that decision. So, and I think 5% of abortions occur after 15 weeks. It's a very, very low number. So the argument that we're overturning Roe versus Wade and we're taking away a woman's right to abortion, to an abortion, is a little bit of hyperbole, in my opinion. Well, and the other thing I wanted to point out was that when back to the abortion, or I'm sorry, the the contraception, um, whether albeit birth control or condoms or anything like that, uh, the average, the the cheapest first trimester abortion, which this uh, the 15 weeks would largely fall under the first trimester, um, <clears throat> some into the second. Yeah, I was going to say a little three weeks trimester. into the second trimester. Yeah. Um, but the average cost is five hundred eight dollars. That's one of the the cheapest abortion procedure that you can get. Um, and and birth control and condoms are much cheaper than that. A lot cheaper, even even over um, multiple years, still much cheaper than an abortion. And so this whole argument, to me, the argument that women do not have another way of of controlling. Um, their reproductive system, I think, falls kind of flat. So you're saying that OSHA should mandate the the pill? Then they should probably have a a vaccine <laughs> that should be mandated. Yeah, <laughs> baby vaccine, pregnancy vaccine. Oh man, whoever did that, they make some money. Just a, just a little shot in the arm. <clears throat> anyway, uh, uh, do you got anything else on this? I mean, I know we're not going to solve abortion today, but. Well, I just want to I want to leave it at this, which which is I think what I said before that Kavanaugh, uh, Mississippi. Well, by the way, the Mississippi law does provide exceptions for health and rape and incest. Okay, the ones that are always argued. Yeah. Well, what about rape and what about incest? One one percent, less than one percent of yes, abortions, and it does account for those. By the way, um, but I, I want to leave it at I think that this debate should go back to the states and to the people. I don't think the Supreme Court or Congress or anyone else should be deciding what's going on. And Mississippi's argument is if if you uphold this law, right, and you overturn Roe and Casey, we have no doubt that there are still going to be plenty, plenty of states who will not only uh, have lesser restrictions, but could increase their... Uh, their right to an abortion at later terms. He said, but that, although we may not agree with that morally, but that's well within the state's rights to have purview over life and what the interest is in protecting that life and how much um, protection does that life get. And so, because, you know, it's different in every state. Some states still have the death penalty if you murder someone. Some some don't, depending on what's going on. And so, I think that that's the most important part of this discussion and what I hope to see, although I don't, I think we're, I think you're right that what you're going to see is Roberts is going to join the conservative majority so that he can write the opinion 
and strike down the viability clause, not overturn either case. So they so they keep in line with their stare decisis and and then change that viability principle from the current 24 weeks down to 15 weeks and uphold the Mississippi law. And that way they strike somehow the Supreme court is supposed to strike a balance, yeah. which is what they talked about so much when it came to Roe and Casey, they were like, well, the court had to strike a balance between a personal interest and, or, you know, Liberty interest and state interest. They had to strike that balance. No, they don't. By the way, that balance should be struck between the States and their people. Not the federal government. They don't get to arbitrarily decide what balance of interest there is between states and the people. That's for the states and the people. I think they can only do it. Um, I I think they can only do it if if abortion is deemed to be murder. And one thing I will say to the people who are super pro life that that think abortion is murder. I will take that argument entirely, and I know some people do push for it, but I will take that argument entirely seriously when they're pushing for the same punishments as murder for the people who uh, get abortions. And, and if you're not pushing for those same punishments, then you don't think it's murder. That's the one thing I'll say. You do think that there is a difference. So we, we got to watch out with some of the hyperbole on whether or not it is murder. But I do think the federal, you know, I'll make this annoying argument and some, some people in the group might not like this uh, because we talked about this before. I know that all the states have, I know that all the states have rules against murder, right? Like the federal government don't have a, something in the constitution. So, I mean, they talk about life, liberty, property and all that, but you know, it's not like a federal law making murder illegal that all the states are following. Okay. And I get that. And so I'll, I will use this analogy right here. And this is why I started with, it depends on whether or not abortion is murder, which a lot of people think that it is, is if it is deemed to be murder. And let's just say a state decided that they weren't going to have any laws against murder anymore, that, that they're just whatever state, just California, you, uh, you kill someone that's, um, Let's see, they have a rule for $950 or less than If you kill someone that's over, uh, that's that's under 50 years old, then maybe that's murder. You kill someone over 50, then it's not murder. I'm just trying to think of a way that they would determine that. Would the federal government have any business coming in and saying, no, California, you can't allow your people to murder each other and not dole out any kind of punishment? Like, does do they have any any purview in making sure that the state's do you actually protect your life, liberty, and property? Like, isn't that one of the only things that falls back on them is making sure that your that your rights are protected in some way? And so what I wonder that is, is what the 14th Amendment does. So what I wonder is if a state decided to legalize murder, would we think that the federal government cannot come in and do that do anything about that? I know that's not happening right now. And it hasn't hasn't happened. You could say we've made the same argument with slavery and stuff like that. States' rights issue, you know. So, would the government, if uh, Georgia, interesting is Mississippi exact- legalizes slavery, would the federal government be able to come in and do anything about that? But what's interesting, this is the exact opposite argument. Okay, uh, on which? What do you mean? For the pro-lifers, uh, they think that it's murder. The exact opposite is happening. They're saying the federal government is saying that the state doesn't isn't allowed. Yeah, to classify that as a murder. I'm just talking on the philosophical standpoint of this being a state's rights issue. 
and that I think that people who think abortion is murder, that they might say it's not a state's rights issue. That's that's why they wouldn't want a state to have legalized abortion all the way up until the day of your birth or whatever it is. I'm really talking from that point right there. And I'm really just talking about the idea that does the federal government ever have well, see, I the idea to come in? What makes this issue so complicated is it's two rights, two equal rights colliding. Okay, I've always said that your rights end where another person's rights begin. Okay, gets really confusing in the context of a baby, you know, attached it, to a mother. It I'm does. It gets because now you have it's dicey. Now you have self ownership versus life clashing against each other. Which one wins? That's yeah. the argument. That's the basic fundamental philosophical argument and why abortion is so complicated i know because who decides which right is is uh has higher is as higher is, is in the hierarchy of rights life liberty and property which one supersedes yeah um and the pro-life argument is well it's the life and the choice argument is well it's the choice that's the right that supersedes um and so that that is what makes it so complicated. And so the reason I think it's a state's rights issue is because the state is charged with protecting life. And if half the people think it's a life and half the people think it's not, then that is a debate that should be held at the state level. Mm -hmm. In that way, states can decide through their local population, um, through representation and their their laws. I mean, clearly there are plenty of people who have passed laws like Mississippi and other, uh, mostly Southern States, uh, Tennessee's one of them with the heartbeat bill. Um, so they have elected representatives who have passed laws who regard the definition of life beginning at conception or somewhere around a heartbeat or something like that. And so that's why I think the debate should go back there and it shouldn't be arbitrarily decided by the Supreme court. The only argument I can see that I think would hold any weight is if Congress made a law mm -hmm. and then the Supreme court could debate the, the statutes of that law and whether or not it is, you know, adhering to the constitution or not. But that, that's the only one that I think would hold any, any weight. Oh, once again, another try and another failure at solving abortion, you know, just, it's just didn't happen. It's never going to be solved. It's not. It's not going to be solved, and the, and it's because we're never. It's because we're we're not actually addressing anything with the philosophical principle argument of whether or not the baby is uh, is a life or it isn't. And if it is, then the government might have some purview over protecting that. If it isn't, then I guess it's a right to privacy or or whatever it is. And until we get people to agree on that idea. It's just not going to be, it just ain't going to be solved. Sorry, just ain't going to happen. Um, one quick thing here, real quick, another maybe philosophical argument for parenting right here. Michigan authorities are considering charges against the school shooting suspect's parents. We talked a little bit about that Oxford school shooting that happened a couple days ago. And I uh, talked a little bit about it yesterday and Michigan is considering charges against the parents. What essentially happened here was the father bought a gun on a black Friday sale and the kid, 15 year old boy ended up taking it to school and killing four people and wounding a bunch of others. So um, what do you guys think here in the group? Do the parents have responsibility on that? Charlie, do you think the parents have responsibility on this? 
or do they not? The other interesting thing is they charge this kid not just with murder, but with terrorism as well. Jeez. So, um, you know, I don't want to really make any defenses for the kid because obviously this is just heinous and disgusting. Terrorism? I feel like we're kind of throwing around that term a little bit and it's just taken away all the meaning of what terrorism actually is. I, I, I think that... I think there might be a little bit of politics behind that right now. I think murder would have been enough to charge him with. That's going to be enough. There's proof that he did it. And I think that the murder point is going to be enough. The terrorism thing, I think it's just a little little political tactic thrown on top of that. But I don't know. Do you think what, what responsibility the parents have in this situation, Charlie? Um, and what legal responsibility do they have in this situation? I looked up this one's tough. I looked up Michigan's law by the Michigan provides criminal liability for a parent of any child under 18 whose child violates state firearm related law while on school property or in a school vehicle. If the parent had custody of the child and knew the child would commit the violation or acted to further the violation. And so I don't know what they're going to charge them with endangerment, maybe of a child, something like that, leaving a, leaving a gun out. Uh, I don't know what they'll go with, uh, how exactly they're going to do this. So, yeah, this is tough because imagine this happened with a knife instead. Mm -hmm. Are you supposed to lock up your kitchen knives? There's, there's knives in the drawers at home of pretty much everyone who's listening to this, I would guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, Or forks, whatever. Mm -hmm. What if they steal your car? You're supposed to lock up your car key so your kid can't get get an SUV and run it into a Christmas parade. Yeah, um, and so that's a it's a tough question. I do think morally that gun owners should be responsible and and do everything they can. Not only not only to keep your child from doing something like this, but for the most part, keep your child from harming themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, most gun accidents uh, happen inside the home because of an of a not well improperly kept. secured firearm improperly secured firearm and so i think there there is some personal responsibility that needs to happen but as far as legal consequences go um i don't unless you can prove complete neg- negligence or accomplice i don't think there should be any legal liability because someone uh, made a separate decision now personal parenting liability i would say for sure they have some personal parenting liability here it was clear that the kid had some issues people were already scared of him at school there had already been threats made uh, there they were already at a meeting that day with the school administration well, i think they want to the hold child. the school liable as well and yeah so i you know leaving leaving your gun out and also by the way the kid had posted pictures of him with the gun on social media and stuff like that and if they didn't know that then i think that's bad listen i think parents should uh, troll their kids social media accounts all all the time i would i would be in favor of that you need to i think when the kid's still 15 i think there's a reason you should check up on that and so if your kids posting pictures with your gun that you just bought a couple days ago Maybe that's not a good. Maybe that's not a good thing, and that thing should be locked up. So I would definitely say personal uh, responsibility, liability on the case, on the part of the parents. So let's uh, let's get out of here. We um we we used up the entire time talking about abortion. So yeah, hey, I thought go. it was a good episode though. Yeah. Um, if you guys, I love legal stuff. I mean, you can look up uh, Scalia's dissent on the Casey uh, decision, which I I found to be really well thought out and good. And, and I like, 
I liked Scalia a lot because he was an originalist. I mean, he read the text as it was. And so those kinds of things fascinate me. And he was very sarcastic and hilarious. Um, if you go and read mm-hmm. his work. Uh, so anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. The debate will never be resolved. I don't think ever. Um, and so, you know, keep, that's why we keep talking about it. That's why freedom of speech is so important. And whether or not you think I'm mansplaining, I should be allowed to talk about it. I shouldn't be silenced. Yeah. I should be, I should be allowed to be part of the debate. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, then please share the show with a friend hit that follow button or subscribe button. Come on in the live group. So you can tell me how much you hate me every single day of the week when you want to, which is pretty much every day. I think I even get the hate (laughs) mail on the weekends. And so come, uh, come join at goodmorningliberty.locals.com. You sign up for the whole year. You get that, that discount, my man. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a good discount. Save you 10 bucks on the whole year. And so do that. If you guys do all of those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.